Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers To Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Brain again, and he's got it! Gavin was closing in. Oh, Gavin has scored! Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not that to three! Hello, I'm Charles Commons and welcome to Memory Lane. In this series from It's All Cobblers to Me, we're hearing from you, the Northampton fans, about your memories of following the Cobblers. This time we're cheating a little bit as the person joining me today is a black cat more than a cobbler in terms of being a football fan. That said, my guest today certainly has an affiliation with the Cobblers, having played for the club between 2003 and 2006. It's my absolute pleasure to say a big hello to one of my all-time favourite players, the son of Pele, Martin Smith. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Charles. It's a lovely introduction. <laughs> well, let, let's start there. So it was the Sunderland fanzine, the Love Supreme, who gave you that title of the son of Pele. What, what did you think of it at the time? Did, did it go to your head a little bit? No, it it was one of them. The, the guy was going to make a t-shirt and uh, uh, Martin McFadden, who, who'd done the, uh, the Love Supreme, and he says that I did a couple of things while he was taking the photographs with the ball. He just sort of said, oh, it's like the son of Pellier. And it, it was one of them. It ended up going on the t-shirt and you think, oh, well, that'll be, that'll be one of them. People forget about it in six months, but still now people... People still use it. Is it? It's become over the years. At certain points, it was a bit of a slight embarrassment. Uh, but say now, it, it's good that people still remember us at all. So remember us as a son of the son of Pelé. It's, it's still nice. 
Uh, Well, you signed for the Cobblers from Huddersfield uh, in the end. That was in the summer of 2003. And Martin Wilkinson was the manager at the time. It's kind of almost folklore now, really, um, in terms of how he got you to sign on the dotted line for us. Had you even heard of Northampton at that point? Was it even on your radar? I knew that there was an interest. It seems a long time ago, but Huddersfield, we were on an administration towards... Uh, the season that we both went down uh, into League Two, and there was talk then that they were going to they sort of wanted me to go on loan, but it wasn't something I was interested in. I could have went a few places towards the end of that season um, from Huddersfield because we weren't being paid, but I wanted to see the season out. So I knew there had been a bit of interest, and was one of them the agent rangers and said they were interested, and I sort of made the statement to Huddersfield if I was because they wanted me to stay if I was. If I was leaving, I would only be going to a team that wasn't in the same league, so i.e. not in League Two. So I was sort of happy at Huddersfield, but uh, with the administration that's brought the BFA and they says, look, get out because it's gone under. Otherwise, I, I probably would have stayed. So uh, certainly, well, I'm on holiday if they want to come and meet. And to be fair to Martin, he was, I think he was out there within a day come through Malaga Airport I think he's had his duffel coat on it was it was red hot he come through his duffel coat carrying all these plans and as he he couldn't have been Nancy, uh, nicer he vision for the club uh, I think it's a sort of well document at the time the chairman was looking to do a, a lot of different things with it and it was it was very impressive and I just said that when I get I'll have a think about it when I get back and there was one other two things but it was it was he, he just sort of come convinced me in a way um, to come there but as I said it wasn't something at the beginning that sort of jumped off the page to us and thought right I've got a goal there you know we'd sort of they'd been relegated uh, but as I say once I'd spoke with Martin seeing the plans it was it was something that we had sort of decided to do and uh, moved down from Huddersfield more or less straight away Did anyone else come out to you there that you said that you know, you, people were welcome to come and visit you while you are on holiday. Did anyone else bother? The actual the new Huddersfield town manager was out there, uh, Peter Jackson, and I, I met him and he was actually late to meet us. And so that sort of didn't, I thought, well, Martin's come all this way, he could manage to get here and sort of you couldn't even get here on time. And I sat waiting for him for quite a while. So that was just another thing, yeah. But I think I don't Stockport had been on the phone, Grimsby, possibly Barnsley at the time I think so there, there was a few little other things but nobody was sort of keen and as as persistent as Martin at the time I mean they're all well fairly northern clubs and obviously you're a you're a northeast lad at heart I mean coming all the way down to the Midlands before you'd signed for us you, you don't you know you'd only played for Sunderland Sheffield United and, and Huddersfield so was it was it quite a bit of a a change for you to come down to the Midlands it was when I come down and it that first home game against Torquay, the weather, I'd never known anything like it. I was <laughs> like, I'm not going to be able to play in this. But it was, no, it was it was only sort of three hours from Sunderland. It was an hour and a half from where I'd been living. So, no, it, was, it wasn't something that really bothered us. My first move away from home was, was always the big one. And I left. And then once I was away, it didn't really matter where I was. But I was, as I said, it was just a bit further down. But... I lived right on the motorway when I did move down. So as I say, it was just you were on the motorway and you could be anywhere you wanted. I mean, we go back to talk about Martin Wilkinson a little bit now. I mean, he wasn't really with you for that long at Northampton. 
because of the fact that he was relieved of his duties uh, at the end of September um, of 2003. But what what did you did you make of him? Well, I've spoken to a few other players from around that time that played under Martin Lee Harper, for example, and, and they've all basically said that he was much better suited to the role of a scout than he was a coach. Uh, what was your take on him? Totally that. Uh, as I say, a lovely guy and you don't want to say anything too sort of uh, nasty about him because he was a nice man. I've met him afterwards uh, and he went back scouting and I think that says a lot probably about what he felt about the job he did himself. You know, I think he probably felt a bit more comfortable and I think the early days at Northampton, it, it was a bit of, or oh, what have I sort of come into here? It was, I think he tried to get sort of the lads who were already there, the senior players, Paul Trollope, uh, Chris Hargreaves, Harps. I think he was trying to shift them out and it just, it just something wasn't right at the time with the atmosphere. And again, we used to train at Malton and it was the facilities weren't great. The pitch was horrible and it was it it wasn't great when I first come and it wasn't a case of one of them. I think Martin did struggle to sort of control the dressing room. Say there was lads who come in, perceived to be we we did get a bit more money probably than the lads that were there. And it, it wasn't it, it wasn't ideal at, at first. And I think sort of that that early part then results sort of probably mirrored that what was going on it wasn't it wasn't a, like a vicious camp but it just something wasn't quite right you know and as soon as Martin left and Colin come in he integrated everybody and it, it was it was just a better feel about the place altogether it was to say no disrespect to Martin you know as I said I think he probably would admit himself he was better at a job maybe he's behind the scenes than being the one right up front making the decisions yeah, you mentioned there, you know, some of the players that came in, obviously yourself, and and, and I'm only guessing here, but you, you can't have been cheap in terms of your wages, um, being the quality player that you are or were. Um, but you also, I know we, we spent money on, on Paul Reed, came down from Glasgow Rangers. You know, there was quite a lot of money, it seemed, in the club at that time. And I do remember sort of thinking, oh, this is brilliant. You know, finally, my my little tiny club that I've supported for 20-odd years or however long it was, um, it finally has a bit of money behind us and we, we're signing players of real quality. But you forget then, don't you, that there's still players at the club who were probably on wages far reduced to what they're now spending. And that can't be good in terms of, you know, a cohesive unit, I suppose, like you, you allude to there. Yeah, I think if, if lads come in and, and they are on a bit more money and the lads who were in there are still involved and can see people are improving the team and they're gonna benefit from that themselves, I think it can it can work. But it was so as I say, the way it was done where as I say Hobbs didn't start the season. Uh, I'm not sure what Chris Hargreaves did. He stayed behind because I didn't go on the pre season tour because it was to America and I'm not keen on long haul flights, so I didn't go. So I stayed behind and I stayed behind with Chris Hargreaves. We did our pre-season together. So Chris wasn't even on the pre-season tour. So he was sort of being pushed to one side. Samo, I think, was sort of on the outside looking in a bit. It was, so it wasn't, it didn't try and integrate everybody together. So it did create the split. But we also signed a lot of young lads. He was bringing lads who, and I remember saying to Martin myself, like, look, there's a few lads I've played with. I think should have a think about maybe he's getting a few more in like because I could sense it's, it is a it's a tough league if you've got a, a lot of young lads but it's relatively if you've got 
as with the team we went up with. It wasn't he, but we had a good experienced team and I could just sense from the start there wasn't enough of that experience around. And as I say, I mentioned that I'm on, but he, he decided not to win and see. He had his own way to go and it was a case of the, the older players on the outside looking in. And as I say, not that they were disruptive, but it was just it just something, as I say, wasn't right. So if you're bringing lads in who were on a bit more money, you have got to find a way just to gel everybody together. And I don't think Martin did that. You mentioned when Colin and, and, and John Dean turned up, they managed to get that sort of togetherness going. I mean, what was it that they actually changed? How did they get the club to, or the, the team to actually, well, start winning, essentially? It was a lot more professional, just from the day-to-day stuff. I mean, I knew John from Huddersfield, so I knew what he was about. He's a bubbly character who sort of lifted, lifted the day-to-day stuff. And you see, Colin was just very professional. He just got the lads, say that the older lads, half Chris Hargreaves, got everybody just buying into what he wanted to do. It was a fresh start for everyone. As I say, from lads who were probably looking to leave the club. Everybody was buying in. I think everybody was sort of impressed with Colin and John straight away. You know, and I don't think it, it wasn't sort of an instant. Well, I think if you look, it was a progression over that first season where we came with a later run. But I think that was a lot of the work that he put in. We become fitter. And just as I say, just the just the general day to day stuff was. It was more like a football club that had been used to over the, the previous few years. Just everything a lot more professional. Hi, Chesy here. I just wanted to say thank you for listening to It's All Cobblers to Me and to tell you how you can help support the podcast. Every week, I, along with Neil and Danny, make it as difficult as possible for Charles to edit the thing and ruin his Monday. That's why we set up our Patreon page. For just five US dollars a month, that's about four quid, you'll help to keep the podcast going and get your very own thank you jingle. So, if you enjoy what we do and want to support us, head over to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Now, let's get back to the pod. You're back with me, Charles, and with me is Martin Smith. So, Martin, what was the difference between the facilities at Northampton and the rest of the clubs you played for? Was there a, a huge gap in, in terms of the way that they were run? It was just the way, again, it was a summer where it was so hot and there was no there was no sort of sprinklers or water at the, at the training facility. So it was like training on concrete. It was so bobbly. You couldn't do any sort of session that was really, you felt you got anything out of it because the ground was just so bad. I remember lads were just blisters and it was, say there was just, I don't think Dennis was up there at the time. So you had no physio there on, on hand to do any strappings or as I say, just look after your blisters. And again, I was brought to London when we sort of had nothing. So it's not like I was always brought up expecting the best. You know, I, I came through when Sunday were at Rotor Park and we used to forget in the cars to go to the training ground. So I, I've seen both sides. But as you say, from as time moved on and everybody, I think now there's no reason not to be professional because everybody is. Everybody knows what sort of the fitness level should be. Uh, see it. You should be fluid next day when you train and just them sort of things, you know, where time had moved on and you'd expect to go you'd expect to go to places and everybody would do that. It just it wasn't happening. But then Colin come and I think within a matter of probably a week or two, we were training at the ground. So we had a base, but we were training on between the athletics track out the back. So he'd set up the gym in like the athletics area, an eating area where we could all go in and have breakfast together. We all got 
change there. Then we'd go around after we trained. You could all eat together over the far side. The chef would put something on. It was just, it just, it just became sort of professional, you know. Where before and it was a bit of a, as I say, just a throwback. Probably two times gone by, you know. And I'd say, I think if you do that, that just transfers to the pitch. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think that had a bit of a, an impact on on how everything worked in terms of the actual football? Yeah, say. Under Martin, it was say we just you couldn't sort of do any real sessions where you felt you're going to promise. So as a team, you'd do set plays, put the balls bobbling. It was saying it might sound, but it it was worse than the worst park pitch I've ever played on. It was it, it was that bad. You couldn't get any training quality in, and say just our early results under Martin probably just with everything that had gone off the pitch with the senior person fan, the fact we couldn't train to any sort of great level, just just all transferred on the pitch, really. There was so much expectation as well, wasn't there? I mean, I remember we'd splashed all that cash seemingly and brought in some real talent. And the fans were all sort of basically going, well, we're going to get promoted this year and, and we're going to... We favourites for the league, I remember. Looking at the odds, I think we just we were like crazy odds and you think, oh, wow, I wouldn't be putting a tenner on that. <laughs> I mean, how, how does that transfer to, to you as a player? Do you, do you feel that as an additional pressure? No, I'd be honest. No, I, I didn't at the time. No, it was, again, it was, it was better to go to a club that was expected to do well and had the potential to do well and go somewhere where you thought, right, we're in a relegation battle if right from the start. It was it was good. And again, a lot of the players, I think we were we linked with Luke Beckett when I signed as well. So it would have been myself, Luke Beckett, Josh had come in, who I, I sort of half knew I'd played against. I knew Josh was a good player. And again, the players that Martin had mentioned, he sort of sold them to me like they were going to be world beaters, but <laughs> a lot of them a lot of them turned not to be. But <laughs> Yeah, it was it was good to go into the season. I think I was probably just one of the favourites to be leading scorer in the division, which I thought, well, I normally end up playing on the wing anyway. So again, I was thinking that's that would be a tenner wasted if anybody <laughs> puts that on, you know. But it's uh, yeah, but again, that first game it was talking home, it was red hot, and I think that was a big wake up call for a lot of people. We could be one 0 I think it could have been a few more. I remember that game really well, and I remember it for typical football fan I'll be honest here pretty much just just watching the back four seemingly just pass it between themselves constantly and me just going oh for god's sake just get it forward and (laughs) it felt like watching the game that we were trying to be a, a Premier League team an Arsenal if you like who just kept the ball constantly and I don't know maybe just try and wear the opposition out through passing it through them is, is that a fair assumption or or is that just me being a typical football fan and, and being very fickle? Yeah, I think sort of thinking back it was, it was Martin Mudders to play a certain way and it was a bit like that. I, I see, I think I played up front and I just, I was I was never in the game. I just remember thinking I'm making runs here. It's not coming forward. It was, it was, it was a team that just wasn't a team as such or seemed to have any sort of identity. And I mean, I can't really think back of the pre-season game to think how it went. I think we played all right against some of the better teams, but the teams who probably were going to be a bit more like the teams who played the league, I think we did struggle. Next time, 
I'd never played against anybody like it in my whole life. It was absolutely frightening. It was just that whole feel that we always knew we had enough in the dressing room to get promoted that year. I loved the Peterborough game. It was one of them games where I felt I played really well in a derby game that we needed to win. Referee blows. Everybody's thinking, right, free kick, get him boot, get him off. And he decides he's giving it to them for Eric Diving. All that and more from Martin Smith next time on Memory Lane. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers To Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.